Ellie Krug here with Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. You are listening to my voice live, L-I-V-E. I am here with you on this Sunday afternoon, uh, the 3rd of June. We have a great show for you. And did I say that it was live? That means you can call in. And our number to call in is 952-946-6205. I know when I do live, I'm like begging for people to call (laughs) because I want to hear from you, my 14 listeners. Oh, wait, we've got 15. I heard from another one the uh, the other day. So, But I love hearing from uh, listeners. And uh, we have a great show, and I'll get to our guest in one second. But for those who are new uh, to the show, you're hearing me, Ellie Krug, um, a woman with a very deep voice. The reason for that is I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world, um, and you're hearing me right now. So that's why the name does not match the voice. My regular listeners, you are sick of hearing that from me. I know, but you know what? I need to be um, egalitarian towards everyone. This show is about surviving the human condition. It really is. There are all those hidden edges, some that are sharp, others that are blunt, that trip us up daily. And this show is about how we are all collectively, with our commonalities, which far outweigh our differences, our commonalities on how we need to get past the stuff that holds us back. And today, we are going to talk about racism. And we're going to talk about racism in a particular area. That would be healthcare. And I have a phenomenal guest with me today, somebody. Um, now, uh, listeners, you, uh, many of you have heard me describe myself before as a hopeless idealist. Well, I found a hopeless idealist <laughs> in the medical profession. His name is Dr. Stephen Nelson. He is uh, the director of the Sickle Cell Clinic at Children's Hospital Minnesota in Minneapolis. Dr. Nelson, welcome to Hidden Edges Radio. Yes. Oh, Ellie, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I am just thrilled to have you here. We've been working for a while to get you on this show. I heard you speak about two months ago in St. Cloud, and as soon as I was here, as soon as I heard you for two minutes, I was like, oh yeah, I want him on my radio <laughs> show. So welcome to Hidden Edges great. Radio. It's great to be here. So you are in char- charge of the Sickle Cell Clinic. Can you tell us a little bit first about that clinic at Children's Hospital and what, give us a little bit of a 10,000 foot view of what sickle cell is. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to have a broader conversation about racism in healthcare. Absolutely. So sickle cell disease is an inherited disorder. It's one of the most common inherited disorders in the world. It's a disorder of the red blood cells. And although it's a global disorder, it affects people of all races in North America and particularly in the United States, virtually all of the patients are black. And that is a direct result of the Atlantic slave trade that started in the early 17th century as sickle cell affects people of uh, West African descent in particular. I'm happy to hear that you know when that slave trade began. You know I do a lot of training across North America. And one of the questions I always ask, not always, but with frequency I ask audiences is, do you know when black people came to America? And I always throw in something smart, smart alecky like, and they did not come as tourists. What year was it? Yeah. And you will be surprised yeah. at the number of people that believe it was like mid 1700s. I've had yeah. people guess the 1800s. 1619. 1619. Dude, I love you. You know that. And I think we'll get to sort of how I got to where, you know, how a white guy like me got to a place like this, or even to think about the issues we're going to get to. You know, I grew up in Virginia. And the Commonwealth of Virginia, right? And we take Virginia history starting in fourth grade. And and I tell you, I did not learn that fact, the 1619 fact, until maybe six or seven years ago as I'm starting to educate myself. Right. And, and, And frankly, it is we have to educate ourselves. That I am certainly finding. And actually, I'm I've got a whole training program about how to self educate. But you're right. And you know what? All you have to do is go to Wikipedia. You look at Wikipedia, the first paragraph you've got, you've got 1619 there. Right. It, it takes nothing to learn it other than you being curious about it. Right. And frankly, I think all humans, all Americans should be curious about what year was it, the first year that we brought blacks to what was America, 
at that time, not the United States right. at that time. Right. All right. So, um, and so that helps set the platform for why we're having this discussion. Can you tell me, give me a little bit about your background. How did you, first of all, come into medicine? And then secondly, how did you get such a focus on race and racism and disparities in the medical profession? Right. So I got interested in medicine. Um, my my friend growing up as a little kid had hemophilia, which is a bleeding disorder. Okay. And I thought it was really cool that he had to drive up to Richmond to see his pediatric hematologist. I said, oh, well, that's what I want to do. Wow. I didn't really know what it was so much. And then, you know, got into medical school and shifted my focus, not around bleeding disorders, but, uh, uh, but sickle cell disease. I had some great mentors. Uh, particularly an African-American woman nurse practitioner who taught me probably everything I know about sickle cell disease and then came here to Minnesota. I've been here 25 years, but didn't really notice the race piece or didn't start waking up until about nine years ago. Okay. And the, the story is it's a career-defining moment. I was attending the Rainbow Families Conference in the Twin Cities. It's now, you know, kind of de defunct now and part of the Family Equity, you know, council. And Got tired of running the How Do You Adopt a Baby seminar. We, we could do a radio show on that maybe next time sure. when my husband and I have three <laughs> adult children now. Oh, my God. And someone suggested I listen to a woman speaking, Dr. Heather Hackman, um, who is a social justice uh, worker, uh, educator, who's now uh, a partner. I'm one of her partners in, in working around uh, health disparities. And she was speaking on – it was a 90-minute talk on white privilege. And honestly, Ellie, I sat there embarrassed – at that time, I was 48, and I'd never thought about it. And you got all the way through medical school, all the way through residency, all the way through, at that point, what, 25 Abs yeah. years yep. of practice? There is no absolutely no training around how issues of race, racism, and whiteness affect the, the delivery of care or how they, the narratives affect our biases and our cognition and decision-making zero. And is that even true for today? It's changing. Okay. And I was part of a work group that started a pilot program for the second year medical students at the University of Minnesota Medical School just this past February to add some training around racism and bias. Did I just hear you say the University of Minnesota Medical School just four months ago? Yes, 2018. Began to train doctors in training about racism. Yes. Okay, that's why we have you here. Can I ask you a question? Dr. Hackman, Heather Hackman, I'm not familiar yes. with. Is she a white woman or a black woman? She is a white woman. Um, okay. A white woman, uh, lesbian, cisgendered lesbian, who is an educator, was on faculty at St. Cloud State, um, but uh, left there a few years ago and has uh, um, her own consulting group around social justice. And it's interesting, when I uh, started working with Dr. Hackman, she has been doing trainings, race, racism, and whiteness for educators. And I started thinking about some of the really opportunity gaps, not achievement gaps. Right. The, the system of our, our educational system, it's very similar to healthcare, right? The whiteness of the teachers, the whiteness of the curriculum, right. the whiteness of the outcome measures. It really is very similar. So what, what she's been working on with educators really fits nicely, at least the, the structure. And what I try to bring to it is the the healthcare provider lens. Okay, well, that's just, well, and the reason I asked what color uh, Dr. Hackman was, was because um, I'm well aware that white people can say things about race and about disparities in race that people of color cannot say. They could use the very same words. <clears throat> and um, the listener both of, of any color, the listener will receive those words in a different way than if they're said by a white person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dr. Hackman and I um, have developed a, tr uh, a training module for healthcare providers, and we did our first pilot at Children's, and you could sign up on the StarNet intranet page and leave comments. And there was a comment from one of uh, uh, home care nurses with whom I've worked for years, how dare you have two white people talk about race or, you know, tell my story and I, and I met with, uh, with her and said, you know, that, no, 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 that's, we're, I, we are not here to tell your story. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. and, and really the trainings we do, although helpful for anyone, certainly the processes of, of stereotyping 
understanding that is helpful, you know, transcends race, but I said, this is really for, for my white colleagues. This is really for me to talk with my white, my fellow white healthcare providers right. about this topic. Right. I'm, I'm not smarter about it, but at least I can get in the room. I'm already in the room. Yep. I can start speaking and I'm not viewed as an angry person. Right. And it's amazing. You know, I'm obviously trans. I don't pass entirely. Uh, that's because my voice doesn't match my appearance, uh, listeners. Um, but, uh, but I get in rooms that people of color would never be invited to, even though I'm trans. You know, I mean, even with that kind of baggage, I get invited. Um, so let me put a call out. We are going to start getting into the, the meat of uh, Dr. Nelson's um, uh, research as it relates to disparities, healthcare disparities around race. Um, but please give us a call, 952-946-6205. Listeners, you've already got an idea. This is a heck of a show. And you've got, we have a resource here that we do not usually get to have. I am just so incredibly thrilled about having this human across from me here in the studio lab at AM 950. So um, please give us a call at 952-946-6205. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. That's the last time I will say that. With Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. People love my monthly newsletter, The Ripple. Or email me. I'd love to hear from you at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll talk further with Dr. Nelson. And uh, we will talk, get into the meat of the disparities that he has found. Thanks so very much. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. Minnesota is home to the only major institution in North America devoted to Russian art, history, and culture. The Museum of Russian Art, located off 35W on Diamond Lake Road in South Minneapolis, can be your personal connection to extraordinary artists, stories, and context. We offer more exhibitions and events than ever before, from concerts and lectures to vodka tastings and more. Open daily, free parking, and a great group on deal. Find out more at tmora.org. Are you trying to live stream on Facebook, on YouTube, tired of no one watching your videos? Well, whether you're a beginner or a veteran, you can have better results. Hi, it's Mike McEntee with The Uptake. We're famous for our live streaming of thousands of events that are watched by millions. I want to help you live stream video like a pro for your cause, your group, or your company. I'm teaching a class on June 9th where you'll learn how to use your phone or professional camera to deliver the best live experience for your audience. I'll teach you how to attract an audience and how to keep reaching that audience when you're no longer live. Find out what platform works best for what you're trying to do. Sign up now at theuptake.org slash classes. Space is limited. Go to theuptake.org slash classes to sign up for this June 9th class. There's a $70 charge, but there's a discount for students and low-income people. That's theuptake.org slash classes to learn how to live stream like a pro. 
We are back on Hidden Edges Radio with Ellie Krug. I've been interviewing Dr. Stephen Nelson, the director of the Sickle Cell Clinic at uh, Children's Hospital, Minnesota, in Minneapolis. We've been talking um, about uh, race in the medical profession, racism, and we now are going to start getting into the meat. So, so Dr. Nelson, you've done some research. Um, and please explain to us how you did that research and tell us what have you found about racism and racial disparities in the medical profession? Great. I, I can start with, um, you know, our, our first study was we just asked. We, you know, I, I started thinking about my patient population in, in, in the United States. We have 300, at, at Children's, we have 300 uh, patients with sickle cell disease. They all have different stories, like all of our families do, but they all have one, in thing, one thing in common. None of them are white. Then I started thinking about me and the team. All of us are. Oh, my God. And well, Was this what, nine years ago? This was nine years. This was until two years ago. We now have a person of color added to the team that, that, that we can get to that has really, really transformed our outcomes. But at that time, it was the entire team is white. And I thought, could that fact alone be... Uh, affecting the quality of care that we're delivering, or at least the perception of that care. So we asked. We asked patients 12 and up and their caregivers, whoever came to clinic that day to do the survey. could have been mom, dad, grandma. It's a written survey. Written survey. Yep. And then uh, we had staff do it from all front desk, physicians, nurses, everybody. How many and people are we talking about we on staff? total... Uh, uh, who did the survey was just under 300 because we did inpatient and outpatient. So okay. nurses, psychology, everybody. Okay. We had a 90% return rate on this survey, oh, which, for, which for a medical survey, if we get 20%, oh, it's valid and, for, we're, and we run with it. And for isn't it any great, survey. Right? <laughs> so it spoke to, I, I was very pleased with that, how, how important the, the topic uh, was. Clear differences between patients and families on their perceptions of how Race is affecting So let care. me just stop you, okay? Yes. One of the things, what you're doing, what you're talking about just now as you're getting into it is about using your imagination. And one of the, one of the beefs I have with the status quo is we don't use our imagination. We just keep doing things the same way mm -hmm. that we've always done, and we expect different results. And let me also, callers, this is a rare opportunity to talk to actually two idealists at the same time on the air about racism. Give us a call at 952-946-6205. Okay, so continue. You did this survey of 300. Right, and, and it was very clear that race matters. And that's actually what we titled the manuscript, Race Matters, Perception of Race in a Sickle Cell Clinic. And it was well-received by our flagship journal, it, uh, it was the highlighted article of that month's uh, journal. It was published in 2013. So that's a national journal. National journal uh, yep. for, for pediatric hematology um, and oncology, cancer and blood disorders. And But there was a challenge in the editorial. It was uh, The editorial was written by an African-American woman who runs the sickle cell clinic at Lurie Children's in Chicago, who basically said, can we stop admiring the problem? What are you going <laughs> to do about it? Okay. Can you tell us the results? What were the results yeah, of the study? The results that... that uh, there was a lack of awareness um, around the presence of racism within our wall. Sort of that classic, you know, uh, probably 90% of staff said, oh, yes, racism exists in the United States, but not here at Children's, right? Or that, you know, patients aren't treated differently. Pain is not uh, managed differently based on a, a, a patient's uh, race. And the patients and families had the opposite response. Yes, we are treated differently. Yes, my pain is not being treated uh, appropriately. So there was this huge disconnect, lack of awareness of that there's a, an issue. So you've got people of color answering this survey. And, and um, the backdrop is sickle cell um, can be, a, as a disease, can be very painful to the patient. Correct. That is the okay. most common reason that uh, a patient will miss school, miss work, come to the emergency room, be admitted to the hospital. Pain. Okay, and and that pain can be pretty debilitating. Yes. Yeah. So so you've got people who are responding to the survey saying, I think that the way my pain is treated um, may be based on the color of my skin. Correct. Okay. So take and us and then from there we started looking. You know, let's look at the data, right? So we looked in our emergency room, separate from sickle cell disease. Okay. And looked at kids with a broken bone, a long bone fracture. Okay. And looked at many 
outcomes. How long did they wait in the waiting room? How long did it take for them to get pain medication? Did they go home with a prescription for pain medication? And it was unbelievable. Patients, what, yeah, what yeah, did you find? Yeah, patients, well, even, even a little bit further upstream, after the event, the fracture, how long did it take for the families to actually come to the emergency room? Okay. And families of color, it was two to 10 hours longer before they even presented. And, uh, and what conclusions did you draw so from that? So what we drew from that and for some qualitative uh, you know, uh, interviewing the families concern about, well, how am I going to pay for it? How am I going to get there? I can't leave work. If I miss work, I'll lose my job. Or how am I going to be treated once I get there, especially for a long bone fracture? And there's data around calls to child protection that are going to be higher for, oh for families of color. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, my God. So once they got to the ER, they waited in the waiting room longer, about nine minutes longer on average. And time to getting pain medication for their long – this is like a broken – thigh, right? This is a long bone fracture. Black kids in our ED waited 19 minutes longer than white kids to get pain medication. And, and while that sounds like, quote, unquote, only 19 minutes, right. that's obviously their averages there. So some were waiting much, more, much longer. Right. Um, but, but it's a disparity that you can readily put your finger on. Yes. And I've heard colleagues say that. Oh, they only waited nine minutes longer. Oh, it was only 19 minutes longer. And I think if this is your child. Oh, for sure. Or I will ask, have you had a broken bone <laughs> in your life? <laughs> you know, 19 minutes might as well be 19 hours. Yeah. Right. Well, but and, – and the fact that but – but we're back to disparity. I mean, you're, you're across the board. You're seeing that, that uh, children of color were waiting longer for both treatment and for pain medication. Correct. Okay. And, um, and we're going to have to take a break here in a second. So let me put a call out. Listen, uh, callers, if, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated by what we're talking about here. And if you have an interest in weighing in, if you've had an experience, if you are either a person of color or if you're a white person, you've had an experience dealing with the medical profession and you've seen how, at least to your perception, treatment or treatment options or care has come down along what you believe to be race lines or even class lines. Give us a call. Share that experience with us. It's 952-946-6205. We would love to hear from you. Um, and I've been speaking with Dr. Nelson about uh, all of this. When we come back from our break, I want to hear more about the data. And I'd love to hear about what then you expanded to start looking at life yeah. expectancies and right. then seeing the disparity between Minnesota because, and because of our very wonderful state here where we think everything is fine, right, mm -hmm. and how we compare to the rest of the country. Right, right. All right. So, listeners, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Hidden Edges Radio. Um, please, if you like this show or if you like me, <laughs> email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. And, um, and by all means, talk about this show. Um, we'll be back in a minute talking to Dr. Stephen Nelson from Children's Hospital. Thank you. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. 
Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. As a family-owned business, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has been serving the Twin Cities since 1930. A new furnace or air conditioner from Standard Heating and Air can lower your monthly utility bills, administer more consistent temperatures, and even improve indoor air quality, making your home safer and healthier for the whole family. The average heating and cooling system lasts 15 to 20 years. So if yours is on its last legs, call Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard heating and air conditioning, the comfort you deserve. Someone asked if I really do love my Rudy Luther Toyota Sienna as much as I say I do. Well, this week I've got groceries, a target run, seven sports practices with carpooling for four of them, two games, three music lessons, 4-H, dance, helping a friend move. We'll also probably have three play dates. I'll have to drive to work and I'll have at least one weekend family outing. Yes, it's a lot, but I get to do it all in relaxing comfort and style. Yes, I do love my Sienna and you can fall in love for yourself at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be partly cloudy with a high near 73. Tonight's going to clear up with a low around 53. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 84. And Tuesday sunny with a high near 85. Break away from the ordinary and find a list of -of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, these local restaurants offer some of the best cuisine in the Twin Cities. Find the full list at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to AM950 Hidden Edges Radio. This is your host, Ellie Krug. We've been speaking with Dr. Stephen Nelson from Children's Hospital, Minnesota. He is the director of their sickle cell clinic. We've been having a talk about racism in the healthcare profession. Yep, we're just we're just labeling it and saying that's exactly what it is. Um, uh, we would love to hear from you at 952-946-6205. If you've had an experience or if you have witnessed an experience in a healthcare setting where you think that it came down on the basis of race or on the basis of class because they are so intertwined, mm-hmm. please give us a call. We'd love to hear about your experience. Again, 952-946-6205. Dr. Nelson, before we broke, um, we were starting to get into the meat of it and starting to talk um, about... Um, what you were finding from surveying clinic uh, uh, colleagues and and uh, folks, give us some more a feel about how racism pervades the healthcare profession and the the uh, pr- the medical profession in particular. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about how we are trained as physicians. We are we are trained, you know, to to on downstream issues on just the medical piece. We spend so much of our money and our resources and education on the medical care. And that really only affects maybe 10% of the outcomes. You know, the other really? 80 to 90% are these social determinants of health, these upstream issues of around poverty and homelessness and, you know. And how quickly at, somebody at, gets into a medical provider. Right, exactly. So yep. access to care, having yep. insurance, all th- those things affect outcomes much more than what we spend all of our time just about all of our time uh, learning about and doing at the bedside and busting our butts every day, you know, on these downstream issues without looking at the part that really could make a difference. And part of that upstream issue, you know, those social determinants of health, Minnesotans of color in particular, are certainly uh, overrepresented. And, you know, the, the World Health Organization ranks these as peace, shelter, Education, food, and right. income. Basic right? human rights. Basic, Basic and, human rights. And, and I, 
you know, my colleagues and even myself, it was no surprise that Minnesotans of color were overrepresented, but I would often stop there before I started on my journey and essentialized groups of color and marginalized groups as being somehow inferior. That's how I was taught. Really? Really? Yeah, that, well, of course, there must be something wrong with Native Americans that they end up in prison 13 times more than white Minnesotans. There must be something wrong you know, with black Minnesotans that they don't finish high school without looking upstream. What about the system right. and the structures? And that's been my awakening. Right. I mean, we're talking about systemic racism. Correct. Sy systemic marginalization. Right. That um, is very difficult to put your finger on unless you are looking for it. Right. And or unless you're experiencing it. Right. I think it's difficult for my white colleagues, myself included, to, yep. to see it and to... I, I, I'm learning better language and really focusing on, I'm talking about systems and structures. I'm not talking about you as a bad person or no. calling me a racist. That Then, no. then the, the work is done, right? The conversation's no. over. And, and, you know, it's interesting. We've been using the word race and racism and, and in, in this entire conversation. And I should add, you know, I train across the country on human inclusivity. And I don't use... Race. I don't use the phrase racism. I don't even use the word bias. What I use are the phrases grouping and labeling mm -hmm. because um, I have found that when we can get past the trigger words, which is bias, is racism. Those are they're like, hold on, I, you know, that's not me. I don't do that, okay? If we can get past that and we just talk about what racism and bias causes us to do, which causes us to group and label other humans – then people are like, oh, well, yeah, I do do yeah, that. Yeah, I do that. You know? <laughs> so let's just get pat, you know, and, and I find I have way better luck just using the phrase grouping and labeling. Um, and we can make far greater progress with that versus we got to go through all the chatter about the bias and all that. Let's just get, you know, let's not, right. I, don't, I don't mean to, to, you know, diminish the fact that it is racism, it is bias, but. No, I, I, I like that because that. words matter. They right? do. Words can incite violence, right? And Absolutely. I, ha you have to, I have to be very clear and often do a lot of preamble when I'm talking with my colleagues and ego massage and right. you're a good person. And I know, you know, why did you become a doctor? Really trying to get to that core, like, why did you become a physician? And, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time it's this, beautiful thing. I want to help people and give yep. quality care. And then I show them the data of what's happening in our very own emergency room. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and so why do you think we have this problem in Minnesota in particular? I think in particular in Minnesota, one of the barriers is this lack of awareness that there is an issue because we routinely land in the top five, if not number one, in healthcare outcomes. And every year in the National Healthcare Disparities but, Report, we're in the top. But that's a white person And the heavy. subtext is if you're white, because if you, if you tease out the outcomes for Minnesotans I, of color, which we do. Talk done, about that, please. And we, uh, Minnesotans of color, routinely rank towards the bottom, the very bottom, like 49th or 50th. Which would be consistent with the disparity that we have in the wage gap between white wage earners and black wage earners, which I think we might have moved up from 50 to 49. Yeah, yeah. And I would say one of the, arguably one of the best surrogate markers of a community, a country's care, health care systems is infant mortality. So talk to us about that. I've seen your data and, and it's Fascinating. Yeah, so infant so. mortality has uh, improved across uh, the country, and that's great. And the most recent infant mortality data from the CDC just came out this past January. Hold on a second. Let me just set the foundation. Can you just – people probably know what infant mortality is, but can you explain in a generic sense what, what is the phrase infant mortality? Yeah, so it means as a, a baby that was born alive lives to see – the first birthday. Okay, great. And if a baby dies before the first birthday, that is an infant infant mortality. Okay, And great. the rates are typically uh, quoted in um, a rate per 100, excuse me, per 1,000 live births. So usually the number is like four or six or eight 
And that's per 1,000 births. And infant mortality um, is a marker of how developed a country is. Yes. Um, in some respects, how caring a country is relative yeah. to even its um, most disadvantaged citizens. Right. So equity. How equitable is a, <clears throat> yeah. is a society? Right. Right. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead and give us the data. <laughs> and that idea of equality versus <laughs> equity we can get to, which I, you know, that, that it's different. Um, you know, 20 years ago in Minnesota, infant mortality was 2.4 times that for black Minnesotans compared to white Minnesotans. And now it's actually 2.6 times. So it's gotten worse. So infant mortality for people, for families of color has in the last, is it 20 years? In the last 20 years. Has actually ticked up. Yes. In Minnesota. Correct. And interestingly, if And give you, us like the, what would be the numbers? Yeah, so, so I, mean, I, I can, to put it in, in perspective, um, so infant mortality for a, a white baby in Minnesota is four per thousand births. It's actually below the national average because that's us, Minnesota, right? We're always above average, right? What and, is the national yeah, average? 4.9. Okay, all right. 4.9. So, and for, for Minnesota, it's, it's 4.09. For white for children. For white babies. Okay. Uh, in nationally for black babies, instead of 4.9, it's 11.1 is the infant mortality rate for, for black Americans. So t twice, almost three times. Yeah. And we're a little bit below that for Minnesota, 10.3. We're not the most egregious. Actually, our neighbor Wisconsin is. But Wisconsin has the highest infant mortality rate for black babies in the United States. They also have the highest incarceration rate of black people. Right. And also <laughs> one of the most segregated cities in the United States, Milwaukee. Which um, is I'm working to go and speak at, yes. Great. And the, these things are related, right? So the infant right. mortality rate for black infants in Wisconsin is the same as the infant mortality rate in Syria. Will you say that one more time? It is quite impactful, right? So the infant mortality rate for black infants in Wisconsin is the same as the infant mortality rate in Syria. Unbelievable. And where are we in Minnesota? We're not too much better. Yeah, we're not too much better. <laughs> <laughs> we're not too much better. I think we're we're a little better, but it's it's. I think it's closer to maybe Iraq or Afghanistan for the for black black Minnesota babies. This is appalling. I think that that is the only word that I can use. Appalling. And who is talking about this other than you? Yeah. Not as many people as should be talking about it. I will, right. I will give a shout out to a, a, a book that I finished a few months ago by David Ansel um, called The Death Gap. Oh. And what I loved about his book, he talks about um, really about redlining and neighborhoods and segregation and how that you know, correlates to the social determinants. And he has this quote in the book, where you live determines when you die. Um, yes. And, and it's really profound. And not everybody has the same choice and opportunity to live in a zip code that's going to correlate with a, a, a longer life expectancy. So, so for the Twin Cities, have we done the study to determine life expectancy? Actually, the study was done by the Wilder Foundation and Blue Cross Blue Shield Foundation of Minnesota. And what did they find? It is amazing that you, you can actually type in your zip code in the seven county metro area and you can see your life expectancy and it correlates not just with income because you can also look at the median household income per, um, per, per zip code. But even you, when you correct for that, black Minnesotans uh, have a mortality rate that's five times that for white Twin Cityans, not just Minnesotans, but in the Twin Cities. And for Native Americans, it's about eight times that. Oh, my God. But what was interesting about that study and others that I have come across, and even differences within our sickle cell program, if you're a black Twin Cityan not born in the United States, survival is the same as, as me, as a white man. So this very different experience, if you're a multi-generational person of color or native person whose family has had to live with generations of discrimination, that physiologic effect of discrimination on sure. the human body, it's, sure. it's different. That I'm getting so depressed. I am. 
but I'm also hopeful because you and I are at least talking about this, right? You know, and um, and I, I am. <laughs> There's so much I want to say, but <laughs> some of it I cannot say on the radio. Um, but it is hopeful work. I will say, um, continuing to to talk about it. We've gotten some traction at my institution at Children's. Um, I'm trying to use some of my power as a white man physician. I'm actually on the board of the hospital now. And for 2018, we have equity as one of our strategic pillars. Oh, God. People are starting to get it now. We have have, uh, some distance to go because they attached zero dollars to that pillar. But, you know, okay, baby steps. Well, (laughs) we're working on it. Um, Well, and I'm going to stop you there because we're going to have to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about what can white people do to change the paradigm here. Okay? Okay. Uh, You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, interview Dr. Stephen Nelson from Children's Hospital Minnesota in Minneapolis. We've been talking about racial disparities in healthcare here in Minnesota and in the Twin Cities. Um, uh, When we come back, we'll finish up with Dr. Nelson. That'll be the last segment. If you do want to call, call early, not late, at 952-946-6205. Thanks. When I see nothing Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. I'm Steve Conklin. And I'm Jake DeRoff. We're the hosts of the Mortgage Talk Show, Sundays at 1230. Every week, we bring you insights on home financing, discussing rates, programs, local and national news. Whether you're buying your first home or your hundredth home, we have tips and inside information to save you money and feel like a mortgage master. Check us out for more information and email us any questions at mortgagetalkshow.com. Tune into the Mortgage Talk Show every Sunday at 1230 on AM 950. AM 950 listeners, we have a home cleaning company with an offer just for you. They're Blue Sky Services. Blue Sky Services will wash your windows, siding, gutters, clean those black streaks off your roof, and more. Window washing starts at $100. Siding cleaning starts at $199. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484 to ask for the AM 950 special. If you hear this, you have an exclusive house cleaning offer for June only. Call 651-447-4484. That's Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. back on Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, your radio host. I've been interviewing Dr. Stephen Nelson. We've been talking about racism in the medical profession, 
particularly here in Minnesota and Minneapolis. If you want to call in, this is going to be your last shot, 952-946-6205. If you've witnessed a racial disparity in the healthcare setting, give us a call. If you've been a victim of it, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Again, 952-946-6205. That's going to be the last time I give out the number. So, Dr. Nelson, um, before we broke, we were talking about these horrible disparities that are occurring in Minnesota and Minneapolis, um, and certainly in Wisconsin as well, and our infant mortality rates that are um, just third world um, levels. And here you are, I'm I'm looking at a man who's um, in his mid-50s, a white gentleman. You've Mm -hmm. already identified and and said that you're part of the LGBTQ alphabet, um, and you're pushing. Right. It's very clear to I mean, uh, I am so enamored with you. You cannot tell this, but <laughs> you're an idealist just like me. And there aren't many of us, okay? Right. And I know what comes with that. So you're pushing, and you're pushing a system that is controlled a lot by older white men. Right. What kind of pushback are you getting? Yeah, it's uh, a lot. And and to your your uh, your comment uh, in the previous segment about you know this can be depressing, but it is hopeful work, right? It is right. it is it is hopeful work, um, but there are a lot of barriers to this work, and I call it chipping away at the edifice. Um, I think the biggest one is lack of awareness, and and I try to you know not personalize it. I think you're good good people. Um, but with lack of awareness, because I was completely unaware. I was going about my day thinking I was giving great quality care to my patients of color. Right. And, and, I, and I wasn't. And, and you're willing to admit it. And I'm willing to admit it. So some of it is discomfort. And, you know, we love our data as physicians. And here's the data. And then we get this cognitive dissonance, right? It's very upsetting. And as we as human beings, we don't like to feel uncomfortable and right. upset. Right. So one of the greatest privileges I think I have as a white man, I can choose not to think about it whenever I want right. to. And, and um, you've got the income that you can pretty much choose not to have to experience it. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? right, and I can. You can I, always pay a little bit more to get first class service. Exactly, and I, yep. I and I can also get upset and leave the room, and I can come back in the room anytime I want to. Whereas a person of color may, you know, <laughs> take a lot to get in that room and might not feel as safe to speak the same words that I would speak right. at a meeting. Right, um, and I, I don't worry about any repercussions or consequences to what I'm saying. So let's talk about discomfort. Okay, because I have a saying when I do my trainings, I, I kind of lead, you know, I'm a trial lawyer, so I'm leading people around uh, all a lot. And I ask you generally, who in the room here favors diversity and inclusion? Raise your hands. Right. All the hands go up. All the hands go up. <laughs> then the next question is, how are we doing with that? And a lot of times I have people looking like not, you know, nodding their heads. No, it's not working very well. And I say, you know why? Because we've been trying to do change. We've been trying to change the whole paradigm, shift the envelope from our Barco loungers, you know, sitting back in our chair, got our comfy drink next to us and our clicker. Um, We've been trying to make change that way. And it's just not, it's just not going to work, is it? Right. 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 The other thing that I have found, and maybe you're finding this as well, Mm. is that really to change attitudes, to change behavior, we have to inspire. It's not going to work to order. Right. I don't know if you've found that experience. No. Absolutely. I, I try to, on a personal level, we'll try to speak to someone's personal motivation. And for me, it's around healthcare. Like, why did you become a physician? Why did you become a nurse? Yep. So you're tapping Speaking into their the, idea. Tapping into their idea and sort of framing it that way and kind of how you like raise your hand if you're equal. And everybody's, yes, I want all, I, I want all of my patients to have great outcomes. Right. right. And then we talk about the data and this is what's happening and we're not doing that. You're not a bad person, that intent versus impact, you know, right. a, a conversation. Um, but there's some things we can, can do about it. And then for the organization, I try to make it mission driven, right? And for children's, our mission is our mission is to be every family's essential partner in raising healthier children. You know it and, says every. Yeah. And if we can I mean uh, you know some people have difficulty gathering around issues related to adults, 
But it's kids it's we are kids. talking about. It's kids. <laughs> and everyone wants a child to succeed. There is no one that doesn't want a kid to succeed. Right. And, and, if, and if you're having difficulty in that realm, okay? Imagine what's happening oh, with a, adults. Oh, my God, yes. You know, and um, I just, uh, oh, it's just, okay. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's so mind-boggling to me. Now, um, one other thing before we, we, we end with you is I noticed that when you do your work, because I have your handout, it's a, quite a lovely handout. Um, and, and if people, before we go, right. if people want to learn more about your work, how can they figure that out? Where would they go to? So you can go to a couple of places. You can go to uh, hackmanconsultinggroup.org, or you can Google HCG Hackman Consulting Group. We do work with uh, not just with healthcare providers. It's a, a broader uh, consulting group for social justice work. Uh, you can contact me directly. Um, you can certainly email me at, you... at children, Stephen with a PH, the biblical spelling. My mother was very, I don't know. So Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot Nelson at children'smn.org and would love to would love to work with anybody who listens. Okay. Yeah. Now, thank you for doing that. Now, before we break, um, you you use a phrase cultural humility as as a tool for us to how to learn about disparities. Can you explain right. what you mean by that? Yeah. So I think a lot of a lot of organizations, including my own, do great work around diversity training, which is really about you know understanding differences, and historically called it cultural competency training. That's about mostly communication skills and, and thought that they were doing all the work, right? And, and what, what we're talking about is systems of oppression and power, right? Um, but really it's humility. There's no way we can be competent. It's about understanding how am I different from the patient I'm about to see. And understanding that difference, taking it into account about how you're interacting with this right. human and understanding yeah. that white people don't have all the answers. Right. It's about humanism. How, how can yeah. I make a human connection with this yep. family I'm about to see in the clinic and checking how am I different than this family? It's going to affect my yep. ability to connect with them. But understanding most of all our commonalities. Exactly. Well, um, Dr. Nelson, I have cherished ah. this interview. I want you to know that. I, I am so, I so respect the work that you're doing. Thank you for doing it. Great. I have loved having you on here. I might want to have you come back some other time. I might want to have you come Great. to LE 2.0 where we talk about idealists, okay? Great. Um, but I've been speaking with Dr. Stephen Nelson, who is the director of the Sickle Cell Clinic at Children's Hospital Minnesota in Minneapolis. Before we break, I need to give a big thanks to our sponsors, the engineering firm of Michaud Cooley Erickson, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis in St. Paul. Contact Bev. Let her know that Ellie recommended you. Uh, she, Bev does great work. Um, a big thanks to my uh, producer here, Sam. Sam, you rock. And I will be back next week um, with some other show. Thank you, listeners. Take care. Be well. Be well.